Hey, what's up, man? RB. I'm on the other line with Brian. I'm going to add him in real quick. No, it's okay. Oh, is it just you and me this week? Yeah. Don't. Hey, hey, don't tell him. <laughs> okay. Brian Gill. What up? Oh, you were there? No, I didn't hear what you were talking about. I had my headphones off. Oh, good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, make yourself a cup of coffee and put your feet up. I'm Kent Garrison. I am Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barden, and that was oddly specific. And this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Are you serious? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is an hour-long conversation concerning all things cinematic. First half of the show, we discuss movie news, movie rumors, movie rumblings, and we talk about what is currently piquing our interest in Hollywood. For the second half of the show, we go over our chosen movie of the week, and we give our review. But warning, detailed plot spoilers will be spoiled. And as an added bonus... Please stay tuned to the end of each episode for our weekly recommends, in which we suggest something that you guys need to check out as soon as you can. This week, we're focusing our efforts on what, Brian? The newest James Bond entry into the franchise, Skyfall. 007 reporting for duty. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. I only have one question. Why not stay dead? There's no shame in saying you've lost a step. It is the newest entry. Um, it's, I was reading earlier today. I don't. I don't know what specific number this is because there's a little. Uh, there's a gray area there as far as what are Bond movies and what aren't. Um, right. And so this is either. Is Driving Miss Daisy a Bond movie? Yeah. It, it okay. is. I think. See, that's so that's, that's the gray area. Yeah. So for now, we'll call it uh, Bond Twenty Three. I believe. Brian, I can you right. back me up? It's number twenty three. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, there's one that like doesn't count or something. There's a couple that don't like, count. Yeah, it yeah. is um, Never Say Never Again, I believe. Uh, yeah, doesn't count. Right. The original Casino Royale. And the original Woody Casino Allen. Royale. There you yes. go. Those are the two. Yeah. So Bond 23, uh, 50 Years of Bond. And we're excited to talk about uh, James Bond today. We haven't talked about James Bond, I don't think, at all on this podcast. It's odd that we haven't even mentioned him once in any of the movie news segments or weekly recommends. To be fair, though, I do record all of these podcasts in a, in a tuxedo. Yeah. Well, that's, that's expected. Actually required. So, yeah. Um, I wouldn't well, gentlemen, what yeah. a, it's after six. What am I, a farmer? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Favorite 30 Rock quote ever. <laughs> Like every episode, we start off uh, the the podcast with a little bit of movie news, movie rumblings, and things that are piquing our interest in the world of cinema today. So, Brian, you want to get us started off? Sure. Yeah, I got a couple of things we can talk about. Um, Go for it. I'm excited. Man, this is – Oh, you have brought something to the table, and I'm excited. Well, there's a first time for everything. (laughs) We'll see how excited you are afterwards. Um, Right. This one may just be for me and me and Richard. I can't. I don't. I don't know how you feel about this property, but um, maybe our fast, hopefully our fast, fans are fast and furious six. Fast six. Yeah. Fast <laughs> no, we'll, we'll have plenty of time for that. <laughs> okay. Um, I know Richard and I are both obsessed with the little TV show known as Boy Meets World. Oh. And uh, a few months ago, I think we're about two months now. Uh, they announced Disney Channel announced that they were going to do a sequel series called Girl Meets World about Corey and Topanga's uh, daughter. Right. And I know 
I know Richard and I, the first thing we said to each other when, when this news came out, um, both as obsessives about Boy Meets World, we wanted to know if Mr. Feeney was going to be involved. And uh-huh. yesterday, I saw a picture of one George Feeney on the set of Girl Meets World, and he will, in fact, be involved in at least the pilot and possibly beyond. Wow. That's big news. That is huge news. I, I wasn't even aware of the fact that he was still alive, to be honest. He's well, got to be about 200 years old by now. He's yeah, his- ironically, he made his break by playing John Adams. Uh, right. And now he is actually older uh, than John Adams would be at this point. <laughs> I think so. He, I, I, I saw a picture you're talking about, Brian, and yeah. I agree with you. He looks super old, but it really it really made me happy when I saw that. Um, I, mi- I miss Boy Meets World. It was a great show. It really ended on a good note, though. I felt like the producers know what they were doing, the writers. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about Girl Meets World. Hopefully it's the same vibe, same type of show. You know, um, Hopefully yeah. they don't try to Disney Channel it up too much. Like like some of their their current shows are kind of cheesy, you know, way more right. cheesy than I remember Boy Meets World being. I, I feel like Boy Meets World was just a great sitcom. I think it could have been on any network um, back in the day and been successful. So yeah, um, it, it's exciting. It's really exciting. Uh, as long as we get to see Topanga and uh, Sean at one at a couple a couple points. Yeah. I don't know if Sean's going to be in it. He kind of made it. Ryder Strong made kind of a big deal about not being involved. Not, no, not Sean. Not Eric. That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Eric, yeah. Eric's been on set. There's been hey, some Richard. pictures, so he'll at least yeah. be hanging out. Yeah. Well, this is a huge deal for me. I, I don't know about you, Ken. I, like I said, Richard and I, I know we, we both uh, were obsessed with this show on point. I've got all seven seasons on DVD and watched them over uh, Christmas break. Um, and... As much as I love all, all Eric, all the characters on the show, uh, George Feeney is is one of my favorite TV characters of all time. Um, so anyway, the Boy Me- Girl Meets World cannot exist, in my opinion, without at least some input from uh, from William Daniels uh, playing George Feeney. So anyway, I'm excited to see him on there, and I thought that I would bring that to the masses and, and let them know that uh, we love Boy Meets World, despite the fact that it hasn't been on the air for 12 or 13 years. Now, are we getting Mr. Richard, back me up, the teacher with the mullet? Mr. Turner. Mr. Mr. Turner. Are we getting Mr. Turner? I haven't seen anything about him, but I hope so. I, it would be great if they brought everybody back at least for a little bit. Richard and I have joked in the past of whenever William Daniels, again, the guy that plays Feeney, whenever he dies, we're going to hold a wake for him and ask the guy who played Mr. Turner to come and speak at the wake. So be ready for that. <laughs> I am going to be ready for that. That's that's just as exciting as Girl Meets World uh, yeah, I think coming so. on the air. And by the way – It's going to be a Viking funeral too. We're going to set his yeah. casket off at sea and then yeah. shoot it with arrows. Yeah. Flaming arrows. You yeah. got you to gotta, um, – the girl who gets chosen to be the girl in Girl Meets World has got to be the luckiest actress, young actress in Hollywood right now. That's going to blow yeah. her absolutely up. Um, that's going to that's yeah. gonna be good. Uh, I'm, I'm – uh, you're having a kid, Brian. Yeah. So, so your kid's gonna have well, their own generate little, yeah. Yes. Girl meets world we'll is gonna be world, not only not only with the new Star Wars franchise, but also a a girl meets world spinoff. So it's lucky it, kid. Yeah. I speaking of movie news, I was I was reading some news about Star Wars Seven earlier this week. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna mention it because there's nothing really big has happened, but 
I, I was just thinking to myself, uh, our parents' generation grew up with the original trilogy, and our kids are going to have the new trilogy. We had to get stuck with the prequels. I mean, that <laughs> seriously ruined my childhood. It just when I saw Phantom Menace, it ruined Star Wars. I mean, it was just yeah. absolutely horrible. My dreams were crushed as much as I was anticipating that film. But um, Can't, how how old were you when when Phantom Menace came out? Phantom Menace came out. I believe I was in sixth grade. I believe. Yeah, because I was in sixth or seventh grade. I'm a year older than Kent. So right. yeah, yeah, okay. that's perfect. So middle school, yeah. perfect age. You know, uh, yeah, probably the exact demographic they're searching for. And it yeah. was it wasn't even didn't even appeal to me, and I was thirteen or fourteen. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was actually a pod racer, and that actually is the movie that got <laughs> yeah, me out of the think, pod racing. Yeah, game. you would have thought yeah. that it finally a movie about pod racing, but it didn't it didn't deliver. But it, we have nothing to worry about in that in that front coming for the future. That's for sure. I want to mention another big sci fi franchise. I don't know if you guys saw this on online today, Independence Day. Sequels are coming. All right. Dead silence. Are you guys? I love Independence Day. That's one of my favorite cheesy, ridiculous movies ever. Like, um, that we talked a little bit last week about Jurassic Park, uh, about the, that being one of the kind of, uh, I guess, seminal moments of, of my movie going experiences in life. And Independence Day is another one. I yeah. remember being in the theater for Independence Day on opening day, July second, nineteen ninety six, and uh, and what a glorious day it was. Uh, so I, you know, I can't imagine that that these sequels will be good, but um, <laughs> but totally. I can't imagine that I will see them. So, right, totally agree there. I specifically remember, as you do, seeing Independence Day in the theater. I was at Great uh, Grapevine Tinseltown. I remember the exact theater I was in. Uh, I saw it with my parents in the stadium in the stadium theater, and it was a huge experience, a cinematic experience for, I mean, for such a young kid that I was in ninety yeah. nineteen ninety six. So um, the sequels are called ID Forever Part One and <laughs> ID Forever Part Two. Oh, it's already those awesome. are the worst titles ever. Oh, Just man. absolutely horrible titles. Yeah. Um, so, so plot details have started to surface. Uh, came out today. Entertainment Weekly reporting on uh, Roland Emmerich has started to to um, give away plot details. And uh, this is what he said: the humans knew that one day the aliens would come back, and they know that the only way you can really travel in space is through wormholes. So, for the aliens, it could take two or three weeks, but for us, that's twenty or twenty-five years. It's a changed world. It's like parallel history. Humans have harnessed all this alien technology. We don't know how to duplicate it because it's organically grown technology, but we know how to take anti-gravity devices and put them on human airplanes. So there oh we gosh. go. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sounds like a sounds Michael Bay film, does so it not? Awful. Oh, man. That sounds so bad. So I, I don't imagine Will Smith being... Uh, included into this at all? It's, it's taking place 20 years after the original, original Independence Day. But Bill Pullman is is coming back because I mean he has nothing going on in his career. I think yeah. that. Well, he's playing the president right now on NBC, <laughs> yeah, so maybe they'll work that in. And, and you know that's the only reason he got that job is because of Independence Day. Question: If it's 20 years later, he's not going to be president anymore. 
No, right? Maybe. Are right. there term limits in the IU well, canon? Probably, yeah, he probably changed the rules after he saved us from the alien invasion. I would, I would assume. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> only fair. If so you they, save us from alien invasion, you should probably get five or six terms. I think. So I, are they going to record it? Are they going to film in Canada so that Randy Quaid can be a part of it because of his, <laughs> his tax evasion charges for, yeah, permit gosh. him from coming to the? Yeah, I don't even think the, he has a uh, SAG card. Forty-eight. Spoiler thing. alert. Randy Quaid dies in the end of, at the end of Independence oh, Day. Well, there's flash. He, he can come back, back like a Yoda ghost. Yeah. yeah, we don't know that he died. Maybe they just absorbed him into a ship and made him their yeah. their king. You know, if at the end of Independence Day, the sequel, uh, Randy Quaid just comes out of the ship and is like, "I'm back," and he's like a Borg. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Quaid great. Borg. You, did you did you get that? <laughs> did you get that uh, reference? He yeah, says, no, he says that to the aliens because oh, yeah. he was he was abducted once. He's a right. crazy man. Is that weird, like Cherokee kid with the long hair going to be part of it? <laughs> we need to do a special bonus episode on Independence Day. At some oh point. goodness, Just I think we should. On, on ID four, it's a little disappointing. I think the 3D re-release got got delayed, or it's not coming out. I know that they are pushing for a 3D re-release before these sequels come out. So that's disappointing. That would have been a good excuse to do go back and revisit Independence Day. So when the when the sequels come out, we'll have to go back and, and do that because I'm sure they'll be terrible, and we'll be able to rant and rave about how how great the original Independence Day was. Uh, some more movie news I want to mention. Man of Steel is just around the corner. Uh, we're recording this podcast at the end of March 2013, and uh, Man of Steel comes out very very soon at the beginning of the summer. Um. This is from WoW 24-7 in the UK. Uh, the title of the article is Man of Steel Began Life Through Goyer and Nolan's Procrastinating. Um, Man of Steel screenwriter David S. Goyer has revealed that the new Superman movie only became into being because he and Chris Nolan got blocked during ri- the writing of The Dark Knight Rises. Goyer explained that the project would never have even happened had it, he not been wasting time when he should have been focusing on The Dark Knight Rises. Speaking with Collider, he said this, Chris and I were working on The Dark Knight Rises, and we were blocked. We agreed to part ways for a couple weeks and just see if something had bubbled at the surface. I was wasting time procrastinating and took out an archive edition of some of the original Superman comic books and started rereading them. Because I couldn't figure out this certain plot point in The Dark Knight Rises, I just randomly sat down one afternoon and wrote up some ideas for Superman. So the next time I met Chris Nolan, in another week or so, I said, he said, have you worked out the problem of The Dark Knight Rises? And I said, no, but I've had this, I had this idea for Superman. Because Chris likes to procrastinate as well, he said, let's hear it. So I told him. He literally called Jeff Robinoff, who's the head of Warner Brothers, while I was sitting there and said, Jeff, Dave just told me this take on Superman, and you need to hear it. I want to produce it. So that's, that's how Man of Steel came to be, and I think that explains a lot of the plot holes in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, <laughs> they had writer's block. Absolute writer's block, and it shows. And that's another conversation. But um, just let's just express our excitedness for for Man of Steel one more time. It's it's coming up, and I believe I've, a lot of trailers have come out so far for movies coming out this summer, and it's still still my number one most anticipated of the summer. What what's your number one, Brian? Um. Iron Man and and Star Trek are both uh, are kind of one and one A. Yeah. But I'm I'm very excited about Superman, and I didn't think that I would be. Uh, 
when it was announced or even in, up until the, that uh, those set of teaser tra- trailers that came out. One, we've talked about them before, but one that's backed by uh, the voiceover by Costner and one that has the voiceover of Crow. When those came out, that really that really got me excited. And, and everything that's happened since then uh, has has kept it has kept it going on that front. So it's up there for sure. As far as yeah, intrigue it's, goes. for me, uh, one through six are Fast and the Furious six, just honorary. Oh, yeah. And then Iron Man. Well, no, then Star Trek, then Iron Man, then Man of Steel. Then uh, Tyler Perry presents The Peoples. Oh. <laughs> are you, are Which, you already Brian, in did line I text for you about that today? Did I text you? You did, but I was, I was on my media blackout oh, today. I'm so torn. I didn't look it up. Because you know, you know I love David Allen Greer. Yeah, oh, yeah. I do know what you're talking about now. And I he see. is the lead. Have you seen the preview? Yeah, I watched it today. Him and Craig Robinson. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! No! Oh no! Oh, it's so, it's so bad. Come on, Dag! You're so much better than this. You went to it's Yale. So, it's so rough. That's true. He had a show called Dag too. It was great. Oh, Dag <laughs> lasted is, for about Dag, one episode. Wasn't Dag he like a Secret man. Service agent? Yeah. <laughs> no one, no one appreciates the Dag more than me. I think he's the most <laughs> undervalued American actor. I just remember the uh, the the commercial for Dag. Somebody shoots the president and he jumps in the wrong direction. That's all I remember. Dude, you need, to, you need to YouTube. I'll send it to you. Dag on Loveline back in the day. He's the greatest Loveline guest of all time. He does this bit <laughs> where he lists the name of different birth control medications. But as he's a like old African-American woman and they're his children. And he's like, Dimethyl, get in here. Get in here. Now, Trista Fan, you are my favorite grandson. <laughs> I don't know why. It's the funniest thing you'll ever hear in your life. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm literally wrong, giggling man. right now thinking about it. You can't it's go wrong so with a little little dag in your life. You know? Dag's the man, man. Blank man. He Blank is. man's a classic. <laughs> it is a classic. I forgot about Blank Man. <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> well, we should do a Blank Man episode. We should all rewatch it. Oh, we Damon should. Wayne. I'm sure that would get a lot of hits, too. <laughs> <laughs> what what if People there's any podcast to- about Blank Man? <laughs> you know, there's a couple out there already. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, um, movies that you love, Richard, what's the last movie you saw? Uh, I'm not telling you. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't listen to our last episode, Brian and I broke down All the Great and Powerful. Richard wasn't able to make it due to a prior commitment, was- but he did see the movie. And he he compared the movie to, I believe, dog excrement or canine excrement. Uh, let your mind run on that one with what he actually said. But um, let me preface this and and say, um, if you are a, a Sam Raimi fan, uh, first off, I apologize. Um, secondly, you're an idiot. Uh, <laughs> Calling Brian and I blatant idiots. <laughs> um, I just don't think anything he's done has been watchable. I hate every Spider-Man movie. I I mean, yes, there's like e- Evil Dead's fine and Army of Darkness is fun to hate watch. But like this guy should never be given $100 million to, write a mo- to make a movie. And it's just unwatchable. The dialogue is so bad. Yeah. And... It's the plot Swiss was dumb. I didn't care for any of the performances visually, you know, I mean, 
it's it's pretty to look at. But I mean, look, yeah. I, I've got a Mac. I mean, I yeah. could probably do that. I've got a Mac computer. <laughs> um, probably, yeah, you probably could. Yeah. The storyline is is it doesn't make sense really. I mean, I'm 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 willing to go with you. James Franco is a great actor and a terrible movie star. He does not carry a movie. Um, Mila Kunis has. You know, she should just be the cute girl in movies. She shouldn't be playing some evil witch. Michelle Williams is way too like, like the most overqualified performance of the year is Michelle Williams and Oz, and that should be award an award. Uh, yeah, overqualified. I, I, I agree there totally. Uh, and Rachel Weisz would f- probably finish second in that. It's awful. Um, I hate that it made a ton of money. All the sets, or whatever you want to call them, looked like they were stuff Tim Burton threw away for Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, and I hated every minute I watched it. And then when I didn't get to, <laughs> and then when I didn't get to record the podcast about it because I was stuck in Texarkana, um, which is just a uh, you know just for fun, just gambling, just gambling. Yeah. No, but I was in Texarkana for work, and uh, yeah. So when I didn't get to at least come on and rant about it, it was like. I just realized it was a fruitless two hours. And uh, anyway, I hate both of you for making me watch it. And <laughs> I hate you for being Sam Raimi fans. And that's it. That's all I got. But other than that, it was great. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, other than those things. The best part about this is that Kent and I had a very, I feel like a, a very intellectual discussion. A very. Go back and listen yeah. to it. If you yeah, like I the did. film, you'll I love did. the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And then Richard just trashed it. So, well, I, I think Brian and I both agreed on the one point that it could have been a lot worse than it was. So that was our basic, yeah. was well, our yes, basic opinion of the film. That's true for anything, right? I mean, like, no, it's I'm, really not. <laughs> I don't you know? think so. Especially, yeah, especially. I mean, uh, World War Two uh, could have been worse. There's, there could have been, honestly, like you know. Um, let's Gili could have just been a snuff film. I mean, really, any movie could be that worse. So that's not that's not. I'm talking fan. about family family uh, centered, like aimed at kids type movies. Do you know what I mean? Like it it not you could do worse. Taking, I mean, what, what are you going to go see with your family? Smurfs or Oz Great and Powerful? Do you know what I mean? Sit in a room that's just black with my family. That has no color or smell, just a sensory deprivation tank, and I'm just floating in in body temperature water, and I just sit there in silence for two hours. I would rather do that with my family. Well, be, take your kids to this. That should be child abuse. I'm not saying you should go to jail, but you wow. should pay a fine. I just want to mis- remind you that it is fresh on Rotten Tomatoes at about seventy percent, I believe. So That's fine. it's critically acclaimed and uh, blockbuster. So it, it it could it could have been a lot worse. I I I understand your frustrations, and I had the same frustrations. But uh, I don't think we need to turn this into into a Oz the Great and Powerful another <laughs> podcast about that. We can do part two if you want. Oz the Great and Powerful part two podcast. No, the 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 greatest and powerful feeling I had was leaving the theater when it was over. Wow! Greater or powerful? Oh, I can't man. wait to 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 do a movie that's legitimately terrible. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I cannot yeah. wait. <laughs> like like horrible. Uh, no, I, no, I like this movie. I thought it was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I think we'll end movie news right there. Anything yeah, else you guys want to mention? 
No, that's uh, I'm fresh out of vitriol. Welcome to the new MI6. I'm your quartermaster. You must be joking. Also, PPKS 9mm short. It's been coded to your palm print, so only you can fire it. Less of a random killing machine, more of a personal statement. Cube. 007. Okay, Brian Gill. Yes. Thoughts on Skyfall? Uh, when I walked out... I, okay, a little background. I am not a, I'm not the biggest fan of the James Bond franchise as compared to other blockbuster franchises. It's a it's one that I think my like my dad really likes the the franchise. I I grew up with Pierce Brosnan as James Bond, which is horrible and uh no one should be subjected to that. And wow, that's an opinion. So that that's kind of that, you know, that's kind of my my basis for the series. Now in you know, in my later teens and early twenties, I went back and watched some of the previous films, mostly the Connery ones, and found a new appreciation for them. Um, Golden Eye is good, the the Pierce Brosnan one. That one that one's a solid film. I think the rest of the Brosnan movies are awful. So all that to say, uh, Daniel Craig came when he came on board. Um, Casino Royale was a turning point for me. And uh, and I very much liked Casino Royale. That was the first Bond movie that I really, really dug and really got into. Um, Quantum of Solace was okay. I I don't hate that movie near as much as uh, hardened Bard, uh, Bond fans do. Um, it's it's decent enough for me. Skyfall. When I walked out of the theater, I said to whoever I was seeing it with, I said, um, "That's the that's the best James Bond movie ever." And then kind of went back and thought, you know, I, I really haven't seen them all, so it's hard for me to, to say that definitively. I have since watched just about all of them. I went out and bought the the uh, the big set that came out yeah. a few months ago around before, I don't know, right before Skyfall came out. I went and bought the set, and I haven't completely finished going through them yet, but I've I've probably watched 20 or 21 of the 23 movies now. And I stand by that. I think it is the best. It's the best Bond movie that that I've ever seen, and and um, certainly the the most the one with the most cinematic value. If that uh, if that makes any sense, it's a. I feel like a lot of the James Bond movies are even the better ones are good because they're James Bond movies. Like it's good for a James Bond movie. Uh, Skyfall is one that. It wouldn't have mattered if Daniel Craig was playing 007 or if he was playing, in, I mean, I don't know, a janitor. It, it really wouldn't have mattered. It was, an, <laughs> it was a, a really, really good movie. And it was, Not to offend top, any janitors out there, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you're, but if you're a janitor, you're probably not a spy. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe on like an episode of Chuck or something. But no, uh, but Skyfall, it was in my top ten of the year. Um, and I was extremely, extremely impressed with just about everything that this film uh, brought to the table. I, I, I totally agree with you there. I definitely agree most of all with the point that this film definitely as far as I would say the last 20 years of Bond definitely has the most cinematic value um, yeah. for sure. It, 
it felt more like a story than than any of the others have. Uh, arguably, um, Casino Royale because that was I mean that's the original Bond story and that's a great great story. Um, so that being said, I I feel like I, I was lucky this week because G Four was having a Bond marathon this weekend. Nice. Uh, they, they they were playing mainly the Brazen ones, but they played a couple other ones, and I I. I, I T-vote all of them, and I and I just went back and watched about the first ten minutes of all of them, and, and in the beginning, it's just so cheesy. I mean, these yeah. these films are just like, all right, it has to be set in Russia because I mean, <laughs> a, a guy in a Russian accent is really scary. You know what I yeah. mean? And it uh, it it's just like, what else can they do? It's just every movie. It seemed like they were they were just thinking of ideas that would be that would be a cool action scene and not necessarily stuff that that makes a great story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So this this film definitely excited me when I saw it. It felt I don't think <laughs> I mean you guys can double check this on me and and people can can email the show and correct me on this, but I don't know if there's ever been a reboot done without changing the lead actor. In in a in a franchise, I feel like this was basically a Bond reboot. Yeah, with with um, what happens at the end with the characters, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that more. But this really, you know, gave a breath of fresh air into into the Bond franchise, and I'm excited about what's to come. Yeah, Richard, Richard thoughts on Skyfall? Well, um, like Brian, I'm not a huge. Uh 007 nut. I, I, I've enjoyed certain films within the within the series, uh, and I'm not a huge, actually, unpopular opinion point, uh, unpopular opinion alert. Sorry, I just had a small stroke. Um, I'm not a huge Casino Royale fa- fan, actually. Um, I don't hate it. Um, it's certainly no Oz. Um, level vitriol from me. Uh, but, but on the other hand, it's certainly no MacGruber either on the, on the positive end. Um, wow. I'm just saying, can James Bond rip throats? That's all you, you know, gadgets can only get you so far, but that right. being said, uh, quantum of solace is, is obviously also a terrible movie and should be, should be given as punishment to, to people in, in, in prisons. Uh, so there is my James Bond background. Uh, as far as Sam Mendes goes, on the other hand, I'm a huge fan. I love American Beauty. I love uh, Road to Perdition. I love Road to Perdition is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Revolutionary Road. I haven't seen he did. You know, you guys know I have to bring up Shakespeare every thirty minutes, or I my pretentious badge <laughs> gets taken from me. Right. Uh, but he did. Uh, he directed Kevin Spacey and Richard the Third, which I have not seen except for I've seen some bootleg clips of. Right. But it's like the coolest Shakespeare production I've ever seen. From what I've seen, I would I, if I could see anything. Movie, film, TV. If I could see anything in the world, it would be that production of that play. And so that being said, I'm a huge Sam Mendes fan. I think he's a genius. I love what he does with kind of thematic structure as well as visually. I think he's – I don't know if it's – I honestly don't know if he has a certain DP he works with. But I always find his movies to be uh, pretty visually interesting. Uh, So as much as I hated Oz the Great and Powerful, I love this movie. I think this was a really fun (laughs) – a really fun movie on all levels. I thought it was, you know, these these James Bond movies, to their credit and to their detriment at times, sort of exist in an alternate reality. And while Casino Royale 
return the, uh, the series to a more realistic world, kind of Batman Begins-ish. Uh, sure. It's still kind of in this James Bond world. And this one really felt like, like Brian said, if this character's name was Albert, Albert Christman, uh, yeah. It would still be a really good movie. It doesn't matter that he's James Bond, and it kind of you know they use like YouTube, and it feel it feels like it exists within the world, yeah. Um, and that's a really kind of makes it ex- more exciting in a way. It doesn't seem as much like a theme park ride. It f- seems a lot more like a movie. The performances are great. Craig's really great, and I, I'm not a huge Daniel Craig guy. I certainly see his value, but he's never really wowed me. Uh, aside from Cowboys and Aliens, which I think we can all agree is <laughs> right. the greatest movie ever made. Um, no, but he's he's really so great. So much sarcasm in this. in this podcast tonight, guys. I love it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, he's he's great. And, and um, Javier Bardem is just like – he just continues his streak of being constantly incredible. Um, you get you – know, Ray Fine shows up, which is awesome. Who, who uh, I should mention now – Ray Fiennes was in the running to be the next James Bond before Daniel Craig yes. was picked. So, and I would have been—I would have loved a very sinister Bond that he would have given. It would have been right. interesting. But uh, anyway, I feel like I've been talking for way too long. So it was great. I, I love this movie. I thought it was—it was, it was uh, everything about it was perfect. Just the way it looked, the way when it came out, like how it came out in November, kind of an Oscar season or October. I don't remember one of those months yeah, instead November, of like yeah. instead of the summer. Um, just everything about it was really. Interesting, and I wish I wish this team would get to back together and do another one. I don't think they are, but uh, uh, what a movie! What a fun surprise! I mean, I wasn't that surprised because I don't think Sam Mendes uh, does anything bad. I think he's kind of always interesting. I think he's just one notch below that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson level, that Quentin Tarantino level. That I think he's that one notch below those guys. Uh, so he's always going to be interesting. Uh, but it was just really a surprise how fun this movie was and how. Uh, it didn't get caught up. It was, wasn't pretentious. See, the, my thing with Casino Royale was why it was grounded and entertaining in parts. I just thought it was really pretentious. And uh, this didn't have that feeling. And, and just what a surprise. Brian Gill. Yeah, your mind? I, I think I think Richard is he hit on a couple of things there that were that were spot on. Um, I am not a I've I've never been a huge fan of Mendez. I hate American Beauty. It's one of my least favorite um best picture winners of the last of of my life i can't stand that movie um and richard and i've talked before about revolutionary road and how um that's not a very good movie either but that he probably did as much as he could with it because it's just a such a depressing rough story it's one of the worst the books the i've read the book and it's just one of the hardest things to read in the history of the world yeah i yeah um and so but for all that's the and Jarhead's another one that I, I can't I hate Jarhead. Um, Road to Perdition is one of my one of my very favorite movies of all time though, and so I I was I, I was taking that you know when it, when it, when they announced uh, Sam Mendes as the director I was just focusing all my hopes and dreams on on Road to Perdition because it's just such a fabulous movie um, and hoping that things would come out like that and and obviously he uh, and to be fair despite the fact that I don't like three of the five movies that he's made or six anyway um the quality is there and i i appreciate it i just don't care for the subject matter or the way that it's presented i guess anyway all let's say uh mendez did an incredible job i think this is 
by far, this was the most, uh, this was the most beautiful, the most well shot movie of the year for me, let alone an action movie. This is probably the, the most, um, visually captivating action movie that I've ever seen. Uh, the fact that Roger Deakins, who's the, the DP did not win, uh, the Oscar for cinematography was one of the two or three things that really, really upset me, uh, with the, the Oscars this year. It's an, the, the scene, and I know you guys know what I'm talking about. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about, but the scene Shanghai. where he, yeah, in Shanghai where he's fighting a, a, an assassin, uh, in a high rise building as the lights of Shanghai kind of splash over him is one of the most beautiful sequences I have ever seen in my life, action movie or, or other. Um, it's an incredible, incredible long, long take. And um, that alone should have won Deacons the the Oscar, in my opinion. Uh, just unbelievable, unbelievable shot. Um, also, the shot, another shot that comes to mind, I, I want to mention, it's really, really simple, but beautiful, was when, at the beginning, when when M is, is kind of looking over the coffins of the people that had died yes. at MI6, and it's just British flags all in a row in that, uh-huh. in that columned room. It was just a stroke of genius the way he he established that shot and everything. It's the the guy is in. I mean, I don't know every cinematographer cinematographer out there, but in my opinion, he's the best cinematographer out there that has never won an Oscar. Uh, yeah, hands down. It's just great work with the Coen Brothers. Great work in, in Beautiful Mind and in and other films. And I agree with you. It's it's the definitely the most beautiful Bond movie. It's not. It's almost not even a Bond film because of how much different and much better it is. I yeah. mean, I, I walked out of the theater. I enjoyed Skyfall a lot, but I walked out of the theater and I was like, I can't say for sure that I liked it more than Casino Royale until I went home and watched Casino Royale. And let me just tell you, it is almost unwatchable now <laughs> after seeing Skyfall. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. garbage. Just, I don't, rem- I mean, the first time I saw Casino Royale, it was my favorite. But after. After seeing Skyfall and immediately going home and watching Casino Royale, it was I, I didn't even get through I don't think the first hour because I was you know, it didn't even compare. So it's, it's definitely a, a much different sort of Bond movie. I still very much like Casino Royale. I love Casino Royale, but I mean I'm talking visually. Yeah, movie. visually. Oh yeah, visually, sure, sure. It's not even not even a question. Uh, what did you guys what did you guys think about the new um, quartermaster? Q and maybe we'll talk about the new um, Eve. We'll just say her name's Eve Money Penny. Yeah, I think that was a good setup. Um, and obviously, we didn't get a whole lot of them in this movie, and I imagine we'll get more in the next one, and the, the one after that, and the one after that. Um, but it was very slick and stylish the way that they introduced them. Um, you still get that gratifying moment. If you are a big Bond fan, you got the gratifying moment of knowing who these characters are and where they're going to end up and, um, and getting to meet them. But it wasn't done in a, in any sort of a cheesy or cheeky sort of way. It just, uh, was presented as part of the movie. And I I thought it was an excellent, you knew it was coming with both of those characters and with another character, which we can talk about in spoilers, but it was still uh, a very gratifying. We're we're in spoiler territory. I already dropped the money penny line. So we're in spoiler territory. (laughs) Yeah. Well, since we are in spoiler territory, the the unveiling of the new M um, with with Ray Fine stepping into the role of of uh, Dame Judi Dench was uh, I felt like you could probably see it coming from 
a mile away, but it was still, uh, like I said, it was so slick the way that he brought all those characters together um, that you still, it was still a satisfying moment when, you know, he stepped, when Bond steps into M's office and it's, and it's Ray Fiennes. Uh, it was a very cool, cool way to go in a, in a smart move for the, for the franchise to bring in those characters. It was a, it was kind of a brush, a, a brush, a breath of fresh air as you're exiting the theater because you, you just have this instant excitement for what's, what's to come in the next film and, and so on and so forth. So I thought that was a great way to end it. Right. No, Brian, I, Brian, I, I definitely agree with you. It was, it was definitely a breast of fresh air. And, <laughs> and, um, no, it was, it was just really, it was really fun to see those, those, those characters come back to life. That Those are some of my favorite characters and the, the absence of them has been kind of annoying in these, uh, Q as well in these, uh, recent Bond movies. So it was fun to see everyone back. Yeah. I, I was a little disappointed. I mean, I, I like, I love the scene where, where Bond meets Q for the first time and that he gives him the, you know, the, the PPS, I mean the PPK seven, uh, yeah. short and the, the radio thing. But I, I was waiting for the rest of the movie for another, another Q scene where he's like, all right, now I'm going to give you the real stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. it was a little disappointing on that front that the only, you know, gadgets that Bond used in, in the film was a gun that he used. I mean, just basically, so a guy would get his leg eaten by a Komodo dragon. I will you know? say, I will say though that this movie, uh, you know, those cue scenes are uh, fun when the movie comes out. But they, d- the movie will be much more timeless for having just yes. the gun because uh-huh. it's always funny going back and watching like this Sony Ericsson phone can be can be <laughs> operated from a car or mobilely. Right. You simply wind this crank. And you know, it just always dates the movie awful. You know. Yeah. That being uh, said, I I haven't seen it for sure, but apparently one of the Bond films in the '60s had a a radio device, but their radio device was actually smaller than the one that Daniel Craig used in Skyfall. <laughs> so apparently, radio uh, device technology has decreased in the past uh, forty years, and they can't yeah. they can't cram a chip into. Is it. that like what what is that like a blau punk or? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no nice. idea. Nice. Nice. No, um, uh, but to take out something that Richard said earlier, one of the best things I think about this movie, and it plays on what you just said too, is it um, it's it operates in a world that could exist. Um, whereas I feel like having gone back and watched most of the the uh, previous Bond films over the last couple of months, um, you feel like they're just going down a checklist of okay, here's what we've got to have in this movie to make it a Bond movie, and it's. You know, at some point he's got to drink a martini, and we have to have at least seven to ten really cheesy lines, and we've got to have a lot of sexual innuendo, and and so on and so forth. And the the kind of what you said, Kent, the uh, you know the the villain has to be Russian or some variation of that, right? Um, and I I very much felt like this was uh, again kind of a standalone film, and that it it could most of what happened in the movie it, it could have it, it took kind of the grit. That I think Casino Royale brought to the franchise and brought it into a um, a realistic world that you you kind of want to be in and kind of don't want to be at the same time. You know, it's it's uh, I always felt like the some of the older Bond movies kind of romanticize. Well, obviously they romanticize the the whole <laughs> the whole bit, and that you know it's I guess it serves its purpose. But I I like this world a little bit better where you you kind of you get the feeling that uh, that James Bond, the Daniel Craig's James Bond, doesn't like what he's doing. 
um, that he this is what he's good at and this is what he does for for the country and and maybe for the world, but he doesn't relish it. Whereas especially the Pierce Brosnan uh, movies, it it was just so over the top with how you know he 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 loved you know he's just it was a very romantic version of that character. Um, and I and I enjoy the more realistic version. And I really liked it. I can't think of, and I didn't watch it today like I had hoped, but I couldn't. I can't think of any super cheesy lines that came out of this movie. And that right kind of drives me crazy in the other Bond movies. I know that's part of it, the tradition, but one of the worst lines in the history of cinema is in uh, the Pierce Brosnan. Oh, what's it called? The world is not enough. When at the very end, when he's rolling around with with Denise Richards and and her name is something is Christmas. I mean just the worst well first worst off, name ever. And okay. Her name is Dr. Christmas because yeah. she's a nuclear physicist. Right. I mean it's a joke. Denise Good Richards. great casting. Yeah. And great. and her his line is I guess, you know, I guess Christmas does come twice a year. I mean it's just the most really and people peg that a lot as just man that's a horrible line and that shows how far the Bond franchise has dipped. But if you go back and watch the Connery movies and the Moore movies, there are some lines that are j- almost just as bad as that throughout the whole the whole franchise. And so I I enjoyed I, it started with Casino Royale, but I felt like it hit its high here with Skyfall on um, dialogue that actually <laughs> that actually is good dialogue and well written rather right. than just see how cheesy we can get. Hats off goes to John Logan. Who who wrote the screenplay? And there's there's a couple guys that are credited, but, but John Logan is the main one, and he's he's got a great career um, in writing. He wrote The Aviator, and he wrote Gladiator, and Rango, and Hugo, and he's his upcoming ones is the, is the new Noah, the Darren Aronofsky Noah. So that's another reason to be excited for that one. But but um, he's been announced for the next Bond 24 and 25. So there's good, good news there. But I wanted to say. On your point, Brian, I agree with you. There are there are cheesy lines, but they just they're written so well that they don't come off cheesy. Sure. Um, um, for example, when when they're on the island and and Javier Bardem's character Silva is making Bond shoot the the scotch glass off the girl's head, you know, yeah, and um, he shoots the girl. Or Javier Bardem shoots the girl, and he says to Bond, "What do you have to say about that?" And Bond says. That's a waste of good scotch. Yeah, and then punches yeah. the guy. You know, super cheesy line, but when he says it, you're just like, "Oh, that was the perfect thing to say right there." Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, it, it, like, yeah, it didn't come off too cheesy. It was just the perfect right amount of you know of of humor there from Bond. Um, let's talk about a little bit about Bardem's character. What did you guys think about him? I, I'll go first. Am I? Uh, it's my favorite Bond villain of all time. I don't know if you can call him the best. Goldfinger is is probably the the best. Um, I would I would say that most Bond fans probably think that anyway. Uh, but I what I liked about his I don't character, know Oddjob is up there. Yeah, but Oddjob's kind of like an ancillary. Yeah, <laughs> bad guy. You know what I mean? I mean he's the he's the secondary bad guy. Uh-huh. Um, my doctor. What about that, Alan Cummings? Uh, the Boris. Oh, Boris. Um, I'm my- invincible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Well, no, Nothing the thing says that I Russian really- like a Scottish actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
the thing that I dig about uh, Bardem's character here was, for me, this is the first time, and I, maybe I missed it at some point in the franchise, but this is the first Bond villain that you actually felt like had something personal involved in what in his bit, whatever. It's, it's always with the Bond villains. It's always they either want to make as much money as they can or they want to take over the world. That's that's the same thing every single time. Uh, Silva is much – it's a personal vendetta and I feel like that makes it uh, – it makes it a much more intense and much more serious movie than – just just that fact alone, let, let alone the rest of the, the more gritty aspects of the movie. But it, that aspect alone makes it uh, a much more intense, much more serious film than any of the Bond movies have been in the past. And I I personally quite like that. Right. I agree with you there. It, it was a huge, I mean, a huge, huge performance from that Javier Bardem gave us yeah. here. He... He delivers on pretty much every level. I feel like he would have gotten a, a nomination had he been in more than an hour of the film. Yeah, I, I believe he doesn't show up in the movie. I think today I looked at the at the clock when I was watching it, and it was an hour and eleven minutes, I believe, into the movie yeah. when we first first meet uh, his character. But the 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 shot that they introduce him is incredible. It's just yes. that one long take of him walking into the into the I guess server room. Uh-huh. On his island, on his uh, computer hacking headquarters island that he kind of has a great location that they picked for for his little hideout. Yeah, just re- really delivers on every level as far as you want what you want in a villain. And the, the as soon as they leave the island, whenever um, he he gets in the cop uniform and, and Bond is chasing him around London, it's just mm-hmm. gr- you know you really feel like he's a terrorist there, you know. It, yeah, it le- less than like a, a a spy, you know, that they're looking. It, he he's walking through the subway station and everything, and you feel like, oh no, he's about to do something crazy here. And he he delivers on every level. And the and the the cyanide capsule portion, yeah, of of his his jaw was absolutely disgusting, and yeah. it just added added more to um to his creepiness. Richard, what do you think about about Bardem? I, he's great. I, I've, I've yet to see him be uninterested in anything he's ever done. I yeah. think he brings, you know, what's great about this and and uh, kind of, you know, this whole series was kind of invented as a response to um, the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. I think, right? This yeah. this realistic. Yeah, Sam Mendes said that he saw Dark Knight. Yeah, and got and got inspired. So. Yeah, and, and and even the Casino Royale too was kind of this gritty origin story—not origin story really, but you know, kind of uh, back yeah. to basics kind of feel. And I think with this performance, it's the equivalent of 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 the Joker in, in Dark Knight. I think it's really on that level. It's it's just so terrifying and and fun at the same time, and what a pleasure to watch. I, I agree. On the on the note of the Dark Knight, there there's an article. I don't know if you saw this, Brian or Richard. Um, that that. That was published by Wired, um, pretty close to the time the movie came out back in November, and it lists a like ten points that that you can compare um, Skyfall to The Dark Knight. Just uh, generic things that that um, Sam Mendes took from The Dark Knight, you know, um, and and applied to to Skyfall. And it's pretty crazy if you if you really think about it. Um, the similarities between the two films are is um, 
is pretty pretty astounding. Uh, Brian, anything come to mind in, in particular? Uh, I mean, even the scene you mentioned uh, previously uh, with when uh, Silva busts into the courtroom to come after him is very much like the the sequence in in the dark knight when the joker the goes dinner. for uh yeah yeah uh when he goes for uh for commissioner gordon um just yeah there's a whole lot of things that that play off but at the same time i never felt like i never felt like anything was being ripped off you know it wasn't like a dark knight knockoff it was yeah uh it had similarities but uh, but it it never felt egregious to me as far as well this is just being the dark knight i didn't feel like that i mean like you know you can definitely see oh that was probably influenced by dark knight but um you know it was well done and and so no issue for me on that front at all exactly it's done it's done so well i mean it it rips off the Dark Knight so well that you don't even notice. Do you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And some of it is kind of blatant. I mean the uh, the the whole manner, the whole um, yeah Skyfall manner thing, and yeah. the fact that he lost his parents as a as a as a young boy, and he was sure he was put in a priest hole right after his parents died, kind of like the Bat Cave for for um, for Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and the thing where where Silva means to get caught, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and and other stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go. Katie, you know, Katie not, Holmes randomly showing up. I mean, there's just a lot of things. Yeah. If you and then her seen. face melting off, and Maggie yeah. Gyllenhaal having to take over for the rest yeah. of the for rest of the. Yeah, that was really. I mean, that was kind of like that's where I had to jump off, and I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> this is pretty much the Dark Knight." <laughs> it, it, it does. It, I mean, if you were to ask me. Um, even last year, what do you want in a Bond film? I would say I want a a film that takes the you know the the tone of the Dark Knight and apply it to James Bond. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It and I feel like he's he's really accomplished that goal here. You know, sure. reviving the franchise, um, setting up new characters, getting people excited for the future, um, but just making a great film and a film that. Um, like the Dark Knight was was heavily overlooked um, by the Academy. I feel like this year, other than getting nominations and and Adele, I think winning the the Oscar for for Skyfall, the song, right? Um, it it um, made me it super. I mean, Bond twenty four is announced for twenty sixteen, and I don't know if I can wait that long. Honestly. <laughs> I, I really don't know, and hopefully, hopefully Daniel Craig is back. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they. I think they he is. Him. I, yeah, I think he's coming back. I think he uh, is coming with, back and but, fines as well. But um, I, I saw a rumor. I think right after Skyfall came out, that that um, they were eyeing possibly Idris Elba for the next James Bond. Oh, I'd be you down for that? that. I love. I would Idris. be super down for that. I, I'm a huge fan of, of all his work. Um, and he's a British actor, and I, w- I would actually love to see him, um, not necessarily, I mean, he doesn't have to play James Bond, but if he can be involved at all in this yeah. new in this new Bond franchise, that would be great. Any more thoughts on Skyfall, gentlemen? That's all I yeah. have. I, I think we, we have to at least mention the uh, the sequence towards the end when when Skyfall basically turns into oh, Home Alone. Oh, the third act. Let's talk yeah. about the third act. Is, I want to mention one more thing. I want to mention one more thing before before the third act. Yeah. Um, to me, uh, the climax of the film, 
um, was was when M is in court and she's giving trying to give a reason um, for for them to to continue to to for British Parliament to continue to support MI6. Yeah, and she gives a little speech that is chilling. I mean, she she describes basically the exact state our world is in right now, and it's it. I wrote it down. She says, "I'm frightened because our enemies are no longer known to us. They are no longer exist on a map. They're not nations. They are individuals. Our world is not more transparent now. It's more opaque. It's in the shadows. That's where we must do battle." Before rendering us irrelevant, ask yourselves, how safe do you feel? And that was just a great – and that, that, that's all going on when they're, they're cutting back and forth between Silva and Bond running mm-hmm. through the streets. And then right when she says, how safe do you feel, Silva busts into the courtroom. And just the way that scene came together to me was the climax of the film. And if, if – then <laughs> the third act happens. Yeah. <laughs> and it goes, like you said, into Home Alone mode. Uh, so, so t- talk to us about about Home Alone. Uh, I I just love that. I thought it was it was a little over the top, but it was done so well, uh, and again with such slick style that yeah. you you didn't get you, you know you didn't get into uh, okay this is kind of ridiculous. It was just gosh this is this is so it was fun, um, and, and but at the same time you you got to a real taste of how somewhat vicious the uh, <laughs> the stuff that they laid out in the house for for Silva and his bad guys is like when Albert Fini uh, is is uh, putting the the shotgun shells underneath the the floorboard. You're like, oh man, that's pretty rough. Like that's, this could be pretty nasty. Um, yeah. I thought it was a really inventive thing to do. It, it had the spirit of the Bond franchise, but with a little more. Um, DIY. I don't know how to, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, yeah, let, yeah, and uh, yeah, less less gadgets and and more shrapnel coming down from the ceiling fan. Um, <laughs> really cool. I I thought it was it was a very inventive way to to bring that to a conclusion and to defend the home front. Um, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a cool cool moment and well cool act <laughs> uh, for twenty or thirty minutes watching that take place. Uh, and and Mendez did a great job of of bringing that to life in the right the right manner. I felt like Richard. I yeah, I love that third act too. I, I but I also love Home Alone. So I mean, yeah, it's, totally. It's, it's right in my wheelhouse. I mean, yeah. I was I was a little upset that Daniel Stern wasn't a henchman of Javier Bardem, but I mean, I'm willing to yeah. overlook that. Um, I was a little upset that Joe Pesci didn't get his head <laughs> head on fire. Yeah, you know? yeah, or a paint can in the face. Yeah, um, absolutely, Silva. He, I've reached the top, <laughs> um, but uh, no, it's, it's <laughs> that would have been great. That's Joe Pesci in a P, that's Joe Pesci in a PG movie. Yeah, not, not being able to say what he truly feels. Faja, 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 Faja. <laughs> would have been great if Javier had busted out one of those when one of those things happened. <laughs> I'm gonna kill um, this kid. The way that. That it's shot once. Once Silva catches Bond's house on fire, the way that it is shot, oh yeah, it's just unbelievable. I mean, this movie. I mean, we can't say honestly good enough good stuff about how great this movie looks. I mean, yeah, it's just like, but hey, totally, it's it's just like an an Oscar. I mean, not worth it. No, yeah. I mean, guys, Life of Pi, 
Yeah. I mean, it was on the ocean. What more do you have to say? <laughs> it anyway. was made by computers, man. It's like not even like, you know what I mean, man? It's like not even like humans, man. They, the way that this is shot is just like the, it's just like an orange hue. And you yes. just, you know, you see that silhouette of Bond, you know, running across the field and, and it's just unbelievable. I mean, I could, I could watch this movie muted and still yeah. enjoy it. You yes. know what I mean? That's, that's it's a, it's it's great. Um, any more thoughts on Skyfall, guys? No, that's all I've got. See the movie. See the movie. It's out now. Um, the beauty of doing this movie so late is that we've kind of gotten to absorb the film a little bit more. Um, sure. Um, we we're not really speaking from a first impression here. I mean, we've compared it to other Bond films, and we've we've gone back and and. Um, and I think we can safely say that this is definitely the most entertaining Bond film yet, and um, it's going to be hard to top. It really is, uh, yeah. in my opinion. So uh, let's move on to a weekly recommends. Um, Richard, let's start off with you. Uh, weekly recommend. Ooh. 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 I was. I didn't see that coming. Uh, okay. no. uh, we can no, go with Brian. Okay. No, I can. I can go. It's okay. Uh, I'm going to go with my best friend's wedding. It's a wonderful <laughs> little film. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. Julia Roberts is not in that, right? That's No, she's not in it. <laughs> she's not in that at all, says David Aldridge. Yeah. Is that really your weekly recommend? No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> I mean sure, it's great. I mean, it's been since... It's been 12 years since I've seen it, but I remember a scene in which they... Um, um, what's the singing song they sing? Yeah, uh, Just, that has one memorable scene, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, Forever and ever, and stay and with my heart. Yeah, I just sang on a podcast, but we can't sing any more than that. Good harmony there, Richard. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, man. You're welcome. That's a, it's a gift. It's a gift. No, uh, did I do? I didn't do. No, you've already done Sound City. I was gonna. I watched Sound City and Talk about Sound City. Yeah. But you already did, so I feel like I'm cheating. But you no, can recommend Sound it. Okay. Sound City, good? I wrote a little thing on it on my website too. If you go to richardbarden.com, shameless plug. Uh was uh such a great documentary. I love music documentaries, so I'm I'm partial. But uh to see that studio come to life and how it's kind of two different movies, Kent, you didn't really warn me for that. I, I knew the it would be the but history of the studio. I don't want to give it away, yeah. yeah. It's it's got a lot to offer. It really does. I, I knew it would be the history of the studio. I didn't see the whole kind of second act of just kind of w- w- watching these guys jam, which was which was really great. Um, uh, just in the 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 width and breadth of the amount of albums that were recorded at the studio is is so great. And then the kind of uh, DIY can do attitude of the studio. I always kind of pictured. I knew the movie was about San, Sound City. I, I expected something a lot grander uh, than what the movie gives you. It's just like this really simple. Uh, kind of warehouse uh, that all you know all these albums I I've grew up loving and still love to this day were recorded. Uh, I know you've seen it, Kent Bryant. Have you watched it yet? No, I. It's been on my. I got it off video on demand when it first came on video on demand, and just not had time to sit down and focus on it. And then I was looking at my queue yesterday and realized that it's it's expired. So I'm gonna have to go back and see if it's still available um, somewhere. To get a hold of it and watch it, I'm dying to see it. I just I haven't had two hours to give it the time that it deserves, and so I've been uh, I've been slacking off on that. What? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the S. S- yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so 
Yeah, no, it's just a great Grohl is a really interesting kind of vessel. I, I mean, I don't know how much of the movie he actually quote unquote directed, um, uh-huh. but I mean, he's a great vessel for the story. He's a great interview. He's long been rock and roll's probably best interview. He's just a really yeah. jovial person with a lot of both contemporary and historical uh, opinions and things like that. So he's he's great. Uh, there's a lot of you know you're not going to see a whole lot of movies that include. Fleetwood Mac and Nine Inch Nails or Trent Reznor. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. So that's kind of interesting. Not together, but you know, the fact that this this movie can kind of uh, include all those. It's, it's just I, I loved it. I thought it was one of the best, one of the more enjoyable two hours I've had watching anything in a long time. So that's totally. why I weekly recommend. Brian, weekly recommend. Sure. I uh, started the, the show off on a TV note, so I will I'll finish it, finish my part with TV as well. Um and my re- weekly recommendation is Teenage Witch. Yeah, totally, totally. But not the second season. That that season's garbage. No, I don't. I have no idea. Um, no, my pick for the week is going to be uh, Mad Men. Um, I know Richard loves Mad Men. Kent, are you a Mad Men watcher? I have seen. I think the first two episodes, maybe. <laughs> okay. It's one that I that I enjoyed, and I plan on watching. But I'm I'm so far behind at this point yeah. that. It's, I mean, I'm going to have to wait till it's over to catch up. Um, uh, yeah. But I, I really enjoyed it, and I love the, love the premise, love the acting. Uh, um, yeah. So Mad Men is, uh, I would, I would say it's the best drama on television right now. Um, it's an incredibly well acted show, um, and the reason I picked it is the, the, the sixth season will kick off. Not this coming Sunday, but the Sunday after that, April the 6th. Yeah. And the fifth season just came on Netflix uh, yesterday. Nice. So uh, you can you – can, if you really try, you can, <laughs> you can watch the whole thing over or, or watch the whole thing for the first time before the sixth season kicks off. Um, the fifth season – last year was the first season that I watched live. I had to catch up before that one started, and I think it's the best – it's the best season of the of the five. It's an incredible show. It's so deep. It's so layered. Um, I, I encourage anybody to to give it a chance. It's not for everybody. It you kind of have to go in with an understanding that pretty much everybody in this movie in this this show is kind of a miserable person, um, and accept that going in, and and it will help your understanding of the show. If you can get through. Uh, I think it's the sixth or seventh episode of the first season. It's called The Projector. Um, mm-hmm. If you can watch that episode and still not be into the show, then I, I would say you can probably just give up on it. It's not going to happen. Uh, but The Projector <laughs> is <laughs> one of the finest examples of what you what you can do with television uh, that I've ever seen. It's it's an incredible episode. Um, and I was I was kind of on the fence up till that point, and and at that uh, when that episode was finished, I was just hooked, and I watched like ten more in the next you know ten hours. I just sat there and kept kept watching. Um, it's such an incredible show. Don Draper is one of the best characters on television, um, and uh, the sixth season is is I think is going to be one. Richard, I don't know if you have the same feeling, but I think the sixth season is going to be one where a lot of things are happening because the fifth oh. season was kind of a setup. 
in a lot of ways for for stuff that we I think is going to happen at this point. And so absolutely, and it's a uh, setup and still manages to be arguably the best season of the show, oh, which is great. It's so great, and you're it's dead so on. Great. I mean, I always tell people if they want to start Mad Men that you know it's going to be slow for the first couple episodes. This is like watching a novel. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a lot of slow foreshadowing. It's not going to go at the pace that a normal show is going to go at. But I promise you, you will lock in. All of a sudden, you're just going to crave watching it. Um, it's the projector. You're right. It's kind of the takeoff episode. That's probably my favorite episode, other than maybe the suitcase in case, season four. Yeah. It yeah. might be my favorite. Um, but there are literally, and Brian can attest, nine characters on the show that are interesting. Yeah, like there's like Draper's great, and I mean he deserves John Hamm's incredible, and he deserves every bit of credit he can get for the show. But there are, I mean. Cosgrove and Roger Sterling and Pete Campbell and Trudy Campbell and Joan Harris and I mean yeah. list goes up. even Birdie has his moments of intrigue. Right. Um it's just like this this show is it's like the LeBron of LeBron of uh, LeBron of television dramas to me. It's it's uh LeBron James is a basketball player, I should clarify. <laughs> uh because it's, not only is it the best show on TV, but it's not even close. Yeah. Like there's so many times I watch a show and I go, "This is the best. This is as good." I was because I got really into the Americans and I go, "This is every bit as good as Mad Men." This is you know, this is Kevin Durant. This is every bit as good. And then I went back and watched the Mad Men. I was like, "Oh no, no, it's not. No. It's yeah. not even close. Not even close." So uh, now, you, now let me ask you: Where would you have you seen Breaking Bad? Yeah, I have. Have you seen? How where would you where would you rank it? Uh, I, I know, know it's people, not on TV, but House of Cards. Uh, that's another one I would compare that I would think when I'm watching House of Cards, this is as good as Mad Men. And then the minute I start watching Mad Men again, I realize that it's not even close. Ken, yeah. it's not even close. You should, I mean, Breaking Bad's great. Um, and, 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 uh, is, 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 if you're going to compare anything to Mad Men, that's probably what you go with. But in my opinion, just, you know, Breaking Bad is centralized around two or three great characters, and Mad Men literally has nine or ten. And yeah. it's just – it's on such a bigger scale. It's so much harder to pull off than Breaking Bad, I would think. And and uh, it's just it's just a masterpiece of a show. I, I, I As excited I am for season six, I'm, I'm also – I know that season seven is said to be the last. So I also kind of hate that season six is starting because it means we're, yeah. we're getting closer to the end and I just never want it to end. Well, and, and I'll play off that. It, it is – I think it is also far and away the best show on television and it is – Far and away the most layered show on TV. I mean, it's it's there's so much going on there, um, and you you really it's almost like reading a work a great uh, work of literature that has that's just filled with symbolism because you just don't Absolutely. know exactly what's happening, but you know you're enthralled. Um, and it just gosh, they just they are so good at wrapping you in to what's happening um, and and breaking your heart with the way they build these characters up and then the de- I mean gosh there there's a there's an episode not to spoil anything but there's an episode in season 5 um where Joan is is asked to do something for the company and it is the most heartbreaking hour of television that you Absolutely. will ever watch I me mean, it's just oh it just crushes you and then you're like I've got to see more of this so uh, check out Mad Men. Give it a shot. I, I'm with you. Can't, can't uh, Breaking Bad is my Mad Men as far as there's just so many. Ep- I'm so far behind. It's going to take me so long to catch up. Um, yeah. But I will the, end up the doing the first season of Breaking Bad is unbelievable. I mean, I've mm-hmm. never seen. I mean, a show that's that dramatic, violent, yeah. 
clever. I mean, everything put together. And and I've you know I've seen Mad Men the first maybe two episodes, like I said, but I mean I really haven't given it a chance. I mean, as soon as I started watching Breaking Bad, I had to watch everything right in a row. I mean, in one sitting, I was addicted. But you're um, gonna I'll, be I'll that go, way. I'll I'll go back and watch that yeah. uh, projector episode um, this evening and and give it another shot because it's one that I'm gonna get into. I just need to, you know. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and Breaking Bad, I'll give it credit where you're really pretty much in on, at the pilot. Uh, yeah. Even for me as the world's biggest Mad Men fan, uh, it took me like Brian five or six. It's it, yeah. I would say yeah. the worst. The worst episodes of the show are the first five, and if you can plow through those, you won't. Mm-hmm. It'll be just like Breaking Bad. You're going to watch it all in two weeks. Sweet. I'm looking forward to that. Then um, I'll move on to my weekly recommend, and I'm about to make you guys feel uh, kind of old. Okay. Uh, this this week or year. Um, I should say, is the 20th anniversary of The Sandlot. Oh, wow. And the 20th anniversary Blu-ray has just come out today, I believe. So um, I wanted to recommend The Sandlot. It's it's a great, great uh, film, family film. And it's one that really has kind of stood the test of time. Um, So, and it's one that, I mean, you enjoy enjoy, uh, you know, movies when you're young, you know, but a lot of them don't hold up. I mean, you go back and watch them when you're an adult, and you're like, "Wow, that was horrible! I can't believe I liked that." You know, and uh, I, the Sandlot's really not one. It's it's really one that's almost more appealing when you're an adult. You know, because you're looking back and you're saying, "Wow, I remember how I was when I was, you know, young and, and playing baseball with my friends, you know, at the park." So, uh, you guys, you guys like the Sandlot? Absolutely, yeah, great movie. If it's twenty, it's a great. I I remember it being great. If it's twenty years old, that means I probably haven't seen it in nineteen years. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm so serious. You need to go back and rewatch it. It's, I should. It's I one should. that definitely holds up. It's it's just one of those things where you're really kind of, you know, you're controlled by what movies your parents buy you. And for some reason, my mom, I never owned the Sandlot. I don't think so. I would always see it at like friends' houses, but always loved it. And I, but don't worry, I. <laughs> I did own the big green, and uh, so <laughs> that's important. I think yeah. that one will hold up equally as well. Uh, so will Little Giants. So, uh, but yeah, no, Sandlot's great. It's a, a baseball movies. Baseball. I'm a sports guy. Baseball is probably my third or fourth favorite sport. So it's not well up there. But I think baseball lends itself to film better than any other sport, and, and it's yeah. not even close. That's true. Richard and I are are well known to be huge fans of Rookie of the Year. Oh, the, yeah, the Daniel Stern written and directed uh, uh, baseball movie. Of that, no, that, was probably, that was probably the joy of my childhood. It was 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 Rookie of the Year. Brian, mm-hmm. what was your favorite favorite movie when you were little? I mean, that's a kids movie, not like Jurassic Park or something like that. I yeah, Rookie of the Year was a favorite of mine. I loved that movie. Um, the Disney version of the of Robin Hood is yeah was a classic in my house i watched that over and over and over again and it's still to this it's my favorite disney movie to this day uh sandlot was a big player as well so that's a great that's a great pick and that does make me feel very old i probably haven't seen it in four or five years something like that and it i I can attest it does it still holds up i mean it's it's you know it's a little cheesy it's a little ridiculous but it was back then too so um Yeah. yeah great great pick thanks Brian, let me ask you this. Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is probably another one from my youth. Yeah. yeah that's kids a great movie. kids movie. Yeah. Yeah. Natural Born Killers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very aspirational. Sure. I had a bootleg uh, 
VHS my stepdad maybe that was just a back to back of uh, Natural Born Killers and Fern Gully. <laughs> I wore that thing out. Let me tell you. Yeah. Oh wow, wow, that's a great a great <laughs> mental image there, <laughs> Richard Barton. Let me ask you this question: Where can okay. I find more of your work online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, tweeting random things at Richard Barton, and you can find my criticism work at richardbarton.com. Brian Gill. Yeah, you can find me at bgill12 on Twitter and thesoapboxoffice.com for movie-related shenanigans. You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. You can email the show at madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes, five-star review. We'll probably get read on the show, so thank, yeah. thank you guys who have done that so far. I've seen a few of you have, and that means a lot. So thank you for listening and supporting, and um, yeah, thanks for your ears. So guys, anything else? anything else for tonight? No. We'll see you next week. Excited about next week. We're, we're starting to get into the, uh, the movie season, summer movie That's right. season. So, That's right. so um, stay tuned next week. And uh, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See you later. See you. This is the end. Hold your breath and count.